How we doing out there, folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn, director of Breakline Apex. And we are so excited that you are joining us once again for another episode of the Breakline Arena, the place where you can come to get some great insights about movers and shakers in the tech industry, as well as hear the amazing stories of our Breakline alumni. This week is no different. Um, we do know that Asian American Pacific Islander Month was in May. We had to take care of a couple things post-production, but I am super excited to talk to this beautiful couple, Jason and Marini Kim. Uh, if you're a part of the Breakline family or you're part of the Breakline community, um, we, we have the privilege of having a few Breakline power couples. That's one of the cool things about being in this space. Um, we got a chance to hear from Rocky Tuckapoo and know that his wife T is a, uh, is a Breakline alum as well. I consider Jason and Marini like Breakline royalty. So it's good to have y'all in the arena. How are y'all doing? Yeah, we're doing well, and thank you for that introduction. You are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you know, I got, we got to call them how we see them out here in these breakline streets. So <laughs> I would just love to hear um, for our listeners who, who don't necessarily know you all's story, I would just love to hear if you could share a little bit about your origin story, where you're from, where you grew up. Yeah, thank you. Um, my name is Jason, and I actually grew up in Aurora, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, probably about 45 minutes west. And I uh, grew up in a martial arts family, so my dad was a martial arts instructor, and that's how uh, he provided for uh, the family. And so, yeah, a lot of like just who I am has been shaped by my parents and my mom, you know, uh, in many ways was a prototypical tiger mom. And so, you know, whether that was, you know, maybe not the most fondest of memories, but uh, whether that's uh, tears shed because I had to practice piano all the time and not able to play outside and, uh, you know, always having to record uh, myself playing piano, trumpet, and ensuring that I excelled at uh, school were things that were part of like my upbringing, as well as the fact that, you know, got to teach martial arts growing up. And it was, it wasn't something that was a nice to do, but it was really just like, who we are as a family. And so that definitely shaped a lot of uh, just kind of my experiences with the community, watching my dad really uh, be influential in the local community, uh, just, you know, teaching police, teaching just every walk of life that walked into the door. He really became a mentor, a father figure, and just someone that was well-respected in the community. And I think that in itself shaped a lot of just what I thought of in terms of like what I wanted my life to be and how I want to model that in terms of service to our country as well as just service to those around us. And so, yeah, that, that's definitely a big motivator and shaper. And the other thing I'd mention is uh, my mom just grinded and grinded. So it took her 15 years, but she graduated college in the US with English as her second language. And so just those examples overall were really pivotal in uh, just how I value uh, just hard work, education, as well as service. Now, you know I'm going to have to ask you about Tiger Mom here in a second. We're going to have to circle <laughs> back around and hear some Tiger Mom stories. Um, <laughs> would you mind sharing your, your ethnicity, by the way? Um, I'm Korean. Okay. Oh, and I am as well, yeah. Okay, okay. So, Marini, I'd love to hear your story, too. I'd love to hear where you grew up and, you know, a couple childhood memories, too. 
Yeah, so um, Jason and I, we actually grew up not in the same Chicago suburbs, but I think when we've shared our experiences, there are some similarities there. So I grew up in um, a small city in the north suburbs of Chicago um, called Deerfield, Illinois. Um, so I grew up there. Um, Jason and I have a bit of an age gap, so we didn't really overlap in terms of like the timeline in terms of our childhood memories. But um, yeah, I think something that we are kind of drives us in, in in being kind of connected on the same level is that same commitment to um, that our parents had toward our education and our upbringing. So I would attest to the fact that I also grew up with a tiger mom, um, and so my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but her full-time job. I was just raising me and my brother and she was dedicated and committed to that um, so you know we had so many extracurriculars my brother and I whether it's sports or music or art it, she really just wanted us to be exposed to all sorts of things um, and experiences and so and in terms of specific tiger mom stories since you asked so my mother was always um, <laughs> wanted me to be ahead of the game so she would find out from older people that she knew, like with children who were older than me, what was on the book, like reading list for the English classes for the years, like one, two, three years ahead of me. And she would hire a summer tutor for me to go through those books with the tutor in the summertime. Um, but it was like all like this kind of like covert ops to find out what the reading lists were, even like other high schools or other schools and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, my mom was just always dedicated and kind of looking forward to the next steps to keep me ahead of the game. And I, you know, I think as a, as a child, obviously I had some qualms about that because I would rather be playing with my friends and would always complain that, you know, my other friends didn't do this. But in retrospect, you know, I, I can't thank my mom enough for just all the ways that she sacrificed and um, really took the time to like navigate a culture that she didn't understand, um, but to find whatever she could to kind of set me up for success. So that's one of my tiger mom stories. Um, my dad, um, he worked in construction and I think that kind of helped him to really experience like what we call like the melting pot of our country. So um, just thinking about people he's met along the way in his career of all different walks of life, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, I think really helped him be exposed to all the people that come to the States to kind of call it home. Um, and so I got to kind of learn about different cultures that way, just from the people that my dad encountered and became friends with. He'd invite them over to our house, have my mom cook some Korean food, introduce them to Korean cooking, and then, you know, they would stop by and bring by uh, food from their cultures and stuff like that. So that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think similarly, I think my dad um, was just always, you know, open-minded and was, was there to support me. And whether I told him I wanted to sing or dance or play violin, he was just all, he was all there and he was always supportive. And he's like, all right, you do what you want to do. And I'm, I'm there to watch the concerts or see the games. Like he, he was always there to support us um, in that way. So yeah, yeah. This is, this is, see, this is, this is why I'm excited about this moment because um, a, I just love getting this insight, but B, what I did not share with you all is that my family and I actually lived in Korea for four years when we were mm -hmm. serving in the military and our daughter mm -hmm. was actually born in Seoul. So we feel like Korea is almost like second home. And one of the questions that I would love to just hear more insight from your perspective was, did you ever feel any pressure 
because this is one of the themes that I kind of had talking to, to some of our other alumni. It's like just seeing the impact that parents have and how they set us up for success. And, you know, I think as adults, we kind of look back on these experiences and now we can take away and see like the method behind it all. But like growing up, did you ever just feel the pressure? You was like, you know what? Come on, you know, I'm just ready to just let just let loose a little bit. Do you have any <laughs> of those kind of moments? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, definitely felt that pressure. I think, you know, as a child, you don't understand or fully realize like kind of the world around you. And so um, I never realized that like the successes or just my future was a lot of how my mom equated how well she loved me. And so a lot of even my successes and failures were taken very personally. And so as I began to understand that, it really helped me appreciate just like the investment my mom made. And in the same way Marini's mom, I think our moms share a common thread of like just how important it is to set up their children for success. And I would say like uh, that both our mo mothers were omnipresent in our lives <laughs> <laughs> and very strong figures. And so, um, yeah, there is a lot of pressure of like excelling, doing well in everything, being well-rounded. And then also, you know, I think at the time, uh, you know, just trying to uh, motivate us and be compared to, you know, the other person doing really well and having kind of those points of references. And thank God that Johnny Kim, the guy that I think is like a Navy SEAL astronaut and medical doctor, wasn't around during my generation because like that would have been a real person my mom could have pointed to. The bar of excellence has been raised. <laughs> they say, Johnny did it, that got it, y'all better be able to. <laughs> Everyone's like celebrating his successes. All of the Asian kids are like, oh no, like that's the bar too high. This guy ruined it for all of us. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. How about you, Marini? How did, what were your thoughts on it? Did you ever just have to, you, you ever have those moments where you're just like, man, I'm ready to just cut loose and like, you ever had those moments growing up? Yeah, I did. And I, you know, since Jason covered the, I think like the education and thing, uh, that kind of realm, well, I would say one pressure that I felt was just kind of balancing the two cultures. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the trickiest thing to navigate as a child was there was a side of my parents that was very focused on making sure that I assimilated well to American culture and very much that pressure of like, you know, you want everyone to have a positive experience with you as maybe their only Asian that they've met so far in life. And so there was a lot of pressure and, and a lot of, um, my mom's very intentional about those things to make sure that um, we represented, you know, our culture well. On the flip side, um, there was also a part of my family that was, in this part I think is a little bit different with, J with Jason, uh, compared to Jason, is that my parents do have a side that's very traditionally Korean. So in mm. terms of like the cultural norms of respect to their elders, knowing the language, things like that. So I think balancing those two things was tricky as a child um, because there was a part of me that wanted to assimilate. So I think was a little bit embarrassed about my Korean side. And so I like never brought my Korean food to school or like didn't really talk about my Korean stuff with my friends who weren't Korean. Um, but then at the same time, definitely had that expectation to kind of embrace that Korean culture at home and speak the language and, and kind of, um, yeah, like follow those cultural norms. So I think that was really tricky growing up. And I, I would say that even as an adult, I'm still navigating, you know, that and figuring out how that all fits into who I am mm -hmm. as a person. 
Um, so yeah, I would say that was one thing that was a little bit of pressure. I think I had a lot of arguments with my mom where I would say like, well, my American friends never have to do that. <laughs> and so that definitely, that conversation came up a lot. Um, and so, yeah, that would, that'd be one thing that I would point out to be kind of a, a difficult thing to navigate as a young child. Yeah. Well, and just, uh, yeah, quickly to build off of that, I think like my parents had a different life experience. So my dad came in 1971 and he actually couldn't get an apartment because he wasn't white. Mm -hmm. And so like there were places he couldn't get it. it was right after civil rights. And so, you know, a lot of just the emphasis from my family was you have to learn the American way. You have to like understand how things work here. And really, you know, your Korean heritage is important, but like you have to understand how things work here in order to be successful. And so he, they really pushed me, encouraged me to embrace American values and American way of life and understanding that first and then adopting the Korean heritage second. But often growing up, you find that conflict. And so I think amongst like even the diversity of cross Asian Americans, like those are the hidden things that you wouldn't necessarily see when you look at Marini and myself that are very different in how we were brought up. It's funny how as you look across cultures and you look across just different upbringings, how we all have these similar experiences in our childhood, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. I think especially, you know, my mom was a first-generation first immigrant. She, she immigrated from Dominica um, when she was 12. And I think it's always just interesting striking this balance between holding on to you know, your, your heritage and your culture, but then also trying to find this sweet spot. And um, one thing before we kind of pivot to, you know, some of your career journeys and just, you know, moving in the space of being working professionals, I would love to hear, well, you all share from your perspective, just some of the richness of the Korean culture and some of the traditions, because I know I got, I got a chance to experience um, a lot of that richness while we were while we were living overseas, but would love if you could just share with our listeners just maybe some of the traditions or heritage that you're really proud of and 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 are glad to keep going. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I think the just the core nuclear of the family, and you know, growing up, it was always an imperative that like we ate dinner together. My dad wouldn't come home till 9 p.m. And so just everyone sitting at the table and something common, I think, post the Korean War is that like every Korean wants to make sure you're well fed and like ensure that like you get the best of the best. And so I think those dinners at in the evening were like the tradition and, you know, something that I embraced. And then when you go to family outings and, you know, meet with other families, like eating well and making sure you're well fed is something that is just uh, a thread you can pull across any Korean American or Korean household overall. And yeah, I think those conversations at the table, just ability to connect with your parents and have that consistently was something that I could always depend on no matter what happened during the day. Okay. And how about you for, for you, Marini? So, um, I think Jason's going to laugh when I share this, this topic. So I think for me, actually, one of the um, the kind of cultural things about Korean like life that I am going to point out and I like is actually something called um, nunchi. <laughs> and so it's actually a word in Korean that there's not like an equivalent in English, but it basically means like this ability to anticipate other people's needs and kind of have like that mm. emotional IQ. 
And so that was something that is just kind of part of Korean culture that you're always raised to have like nunchi. And so um, I would say growing up, it often was actually related to like elders, because of course, like Korean culture has like a really strong emphasis on, on respecting your elders and things like that. Um, and so one thing I think for me that that's translated into something that I think is a strength is that I have, um, through Nunchi, I feel like I've been able to meet people in my career in healthcare, like where they're at. And even without ha going into like a long discussion about everything, just start to pick up on things and be able to anticipate the things that patients and families need or kind of pick up on the vibe of them needing a little bit extra support, needing a little more time in that, in that clinic room to kind of talk through what just happened during the medical visit and things like that. And so um, that's something that I've, I've learned just from the culture and I've been able to immediately apply, immediately apply to my career. And so, yeah, I would say that's one cultural yeah. um, kind of phenomenon of Korean culture that I would bring up as a value, yeah. So this is actually a great segue because I feel like as we move from just adolescence into, you know, our collegiate experience and then into our professional experience, it's pretty amazing seeing the things that were instilled in us in our childhood and how they manifest in our day-to-day -day lives, especially in the workplace. So would love to hear some more thoughts about how you even got in the healthcare space, Marini. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that as well? Sure. So that was actually kind of a, um, like an, just a or very organic process. I knew for a while that I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to help people. And that was kind of the kind of a common theme, even throughout childhood. So for a long time, I wanted to be a school teacher. And so I, that was kind of the, the name of the game um, for like a lot of my elementary and junior high years. Then I started to dabble into like, maybe I'd want to do some kind of like child psychology and um, be there to help kids through like therapy and things like that. Um, and then during my undergrad years, I volunteered at the Children's Hospital um, at Vanderbilt, and I got to see what the nurses were doing taking care of these kids there. And I was just so enamored by their relationship. Like, not only can they care for these patients, you know, clinically, um, but a part of working with children is that you have to build their trust and you get to kind of play with them and get to know them as you take care of them. And I was like, that that's exactly what I want to do. That's I think the best of both worlds. You get to play with kids and then also build their trust and then take care of their health at the same time. Um, and so that was in that moment, that was my freshman year of college. I said, all right, at that moment, at that time, I was actually a, a violin performance major with like a child development minor. And I was like, all right, I got to pivot things a little bit and I'm going to pursue nursing. And so that's how that happened. It was just kind of this organic process of knowing always that I wanted to do something where I was helping people. Um, and, and yeah. Well, very cool. And Jason, I know that you served in the military, so would love to hear how you ended up in the military and, and just kind of some of your experiences there as well. Yeah, kind of uh, to your original question a while back in terms of rebelling against my parents, I would uh -oh, say my right college there, right there. years. Look, we always ready for a rebellion story now. Come on. Let's, 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 let's give listeners what they came from. I'm volunteering it. <laughs> I would say uh, my college years weren't uh, exactly the uh, times I most excelled in academics. And so I would say I took about five years and barely graduated undergrad. Uh, and but had a great time, made great friendships, <laughs> and ate lots of food in Chicago. So it wasn't 
quite a waste, but I could have maybe focused on academics a bit more. You said, hey, you, said uh, you had to take a, a little bit of extra decompress time during this kind yeah. of experience. I can't even be mad at you, brother. I can't even be mad I had to grow up a bit. And so that, that involved me playing uh, a lot of cards, hanging out, playing a lot of video games, and working out. <laughs> um, and that essentially, uh, post-college, I had originally gone in to be a dentist, and uh, I actually failed out of that program. And so I ended up post-college not knowing what I wanted to do with my life and kind of like this immense pressure of like um, my parents wanting me to get it together. And I was kind of 23 without a job, working retail and figuring out what are the next steps. And um, one thing that, you know, kind of I sh as I shared before was like serving the community and like really being thankful for uh, just the opportunities that this country has given my parents and like the life that I could have. And my dad always emphasized that growing up. And so that really spurred me to join the military. And so that's when I enlisted in basic training and uh, went as an officer candidate. And uh, that kind of started my military career. Do you have a, do you have a favorite, um, just kind of a proudest moment of, of your time during your service or anything that just kind of sticks out over the course of your military career? Yeah, I, I would, uh, I think like throughout my college years or just like in my early 20s, I had this fear of failure. And so like, if I didn't think I could like do very well, I would, would never really try. And that would give me the excuse to say like, oh, I didn't try. That's why I didn't do like meet these expectations I set for myself. And I think basic training for me was the first time in my life that I really tried hard in something and uh, gave it my all. And it was one of the most proudest moments of my life of like going through it and like just the bonds that I created with those folks that I went through it with. Whereas like others would have said like college or something like that was something to be proud of. I think for me, uh, going through basic training and making that decision for myself of my career and like of my own life became the impetus that really just let my, I guess professional and personal lives just, uh, move forward in a way that like changed the trajectory, I would say. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because for, for those uh, of our listeners who are not familiar with uh, Army basic training, it is not ne necessarily the funnest of, of experiences. <laughs> so to hear out of all the moments, this is the one, it's actually very cool to hear you say that. And I think what's, what's funny about it is this is something that I know particularly within the breakline community we all work through is just this fear of failure, fear, fear of having to take the shot and potentially face rejection and take those thousand no's to get to the yes. And I think just to hear how you got a chance to have this experience early in your career where you had to face adversity, where you had to overcome a challenge, where you had to navigate ambiguity, um, do you feel like that was a defining moment that kind of catapulted and kind of shook you loose of that uh, of that stigma going into the rest of your career? Yeah, I think like it was the moment where everything just kind of uh, solidified in my life. And actually, ironically enough, I went to officer candidate school. I got injured and active duty since I was an army reservist, active duty said, like, you need to go home. I ended up going home. And then my commander told me, you need to get a job in the army. And so I ended up being enlisted for a year, never planning to be, 
you know, plant thought I was going to be an officer, ended up being enlisted in year and then got promoted or then got commissioned. And so it seemed like uh, just kind of a common thread is that nothing ever really happens the way I think it needs to happen. But a lot of those bumps in the road have re really created that like uh, grit or resiliency to be able to just take those no's and turn them into yeses and then just continue to persevere. And to me, it's all about just getting those reps in. And so that's kind of how I think about it. Just as much as it's like, you know, you like you can't just run a marathon in a day. Like it takes time. It takes you doing it again and again. And so overcoming that fear of failure was just getting those reps in and just realizing time and time again, you'll get no's, you'll get rejections, but going out there and just going out for that run. And maybe it wasn't your best run, but you went out there. And so um, I think that was really solidified in basic training and just been uh, just a consistent theme throughout my career. It's like, you know, people from the outside may look at it and be like, wow, there's a lot of things to be proud of, but there are a lot of no's in the way during that path and uh, figuring out how to like really navigate that well and let those be learning opportunities, I think uh, has helped me to just uh, get to where I'm at today. So I'm I'm not gonna brag on you too much, <laughs> but but what I will say is um, you've you've had a tremendous military career, and I think for folks who are listening, just to be able to hear, yeah, it takes a lot of nose, it takes a lot of failure, it takes a lot of being able to come back to the drawing board, and it's those repetitions that drove and were the foundation of the success. Um, I'm actually really glad that you shared that because a lot of people will look at the surface level success and say, oh man, like I'm looking at Jason's career and he's just like crushed it every milestone and like everything's like flowing perfectly, right? And if I'm hearing you correctly, that's not the case. The case is, hey, this has very much been an exercise in facing failure and learning and growth and building resolve. And that is essentially what facilitated all of the outward success that that people now see. Yeah, I, th I think like uh, something I've really internalized is like every time I feel that feeling of like just that rejection or that no, I always think about like, how am I going to respond to that? And I remember a lesson my father taught me really young as uh, we were at like martial arts tournaments and stuff. He said, you don't have to teach a kid how to win. You have to teach a kid how to lose and how to lose well, how to pick themselves up and then be able to hold their head confidently and go at it again and practice and practice. And so, you know, growing up and like going through like just kind of my college years of a lot of failures, going through basic training, getting that really great win. And then just like a career of yeses and nos. Each no was an opportunity for me to shape my character, was an opportunity for me to like dust myself off and get get up again and like learn how to do it better and better each time. And I'd said like, you know, like, you know, I used to just talk to myself and be like, you know, these are the moments that like define who I am as a person and define my character. And I want to I want to do well, not just for like my own self, but like for my family, for, you know, Marini and for those for my friends so that I can build that resiliency. Now, before we pivot back over to you, Marini, I'm, I was trying not to brag too much, but you know, it's, it's hard to be, you know, in the break line arena and not brag on our break lines a little bit. So what I really was alluding to with the success of your military career is that 
you actually got a chance to be a part of the presidential daily briefing staff, right? Is that, is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, and then you were also recognized with a really great distinction of being the role model of the year across a huge organization, almost 15,000 folks. So, um, a was there was there any cool stories about the presidential daily brief that we should that that we should know and we, that are unclassified that we can talk about? Uh, <laughs> but then B, I just want to reemphasize um, the proof is in the pudding, folks. We can't be afraid to face the failures and overcome adversity. So I uh, bought, bought you some time there in case you had any good uh, PDB stories you could share. <laughs> um. I'm not sure if any uh, present day <laughs> brief stories I could share. I could share, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, as you grow in your career, a lot of it is experience and the impact you make. And, you know, one of the mottos I have is, you know, build trust, uh, bring value. And so, um, you know, I just took my shot. So um, I had prepped the PDB briefer to Trump uh, to go to the Hill and we had a great outcome briefing both the House and the Senate. And so as we were debriefing, I told him, you know, I work here as a federal employee, but also I'm in the Army Reserve. I was like, are there any opportunities for me to serve as an Army Reservist on the President's Daily Brief? I said, like, I could give a one weekend commitment or, you know, part time to really help do strategy. And so sometimes uh, if you never ask, those opportunities never come. And I asked and they were it, it, it became a reality. And so I was the first, I think, uh, military person to be on the PDB staff. And it was a great opportunity exposure and just experience that uh, really came out of bringing value and building trust with a key stakeholder. And then, you know, just going in for an ask of how I could bring additional value to him and his organization. Okay, okay. So look, for, for all of our listeners out there who are, who are maybe in your car or maybe at work, hey, take notes because the Kim family out here dropping some knowledge, okay? They dropping <laughs> some dimes. They're trying to put y'all on game. And um, hopefully you've been taking copious notes. So as we kind of round out the conversation, Marini, I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, both of you all are breakliners. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what it was like pivoting into the tech industry. Um, you know, any particular memories that resonate from your breakline experience? And then finally, what it's like to be, um, you know, a member of the Korean community within the tech industry. Would love to hear any thoughts that uh, both of you have on uh, where you are right now. Sure. So in terms of that pivot to the tech industry, so I would say um, if I backtrack a little bit, um, I mentioned earlier that I did have a background in music. And so growing up, part of the Tiger Mom curriculum was to learn an instrument. So I started um, the violin at a really early age. I think I was about three when I started. And I continued playing violin all the way through college. And one thing that I realized is I had a lot of years where I kind of resented playing because it was so much pressure, but it was I had done it for so long, it seemed like kind of a waste to stop doing it. And, but most of my violin career as a child was was just basically drilling me to be like a performer by myself. So learning all these concertos, getting them ready for recitals and competitions and things like that, which was a lot of pressure. And um, I, I didn't enjoy it because I would get nervous on stage. And after months and months of rehearsals and practice, like it, it just you know, the performance is never as good as the way you practiced it at home or by yourself. And that was just so disappointing to me. 
And then in my high school years, I discovered um, chamber music. And so playing in a quartet or playing in a small chamber orchestra was so collaborative that for me, like that was the experience that I enjoyed. So making music with other people, collaborating with people, mm. kind of hearing how they interpret things and building off of that was something that I really, really enjoyed. And I would say that that has continued to just translate in my career is that I'm just not someone who can work on something by myself. I think that whole process of working in a team, learning from other people's experiences and perspectives are something that um, it just enriches the whole experience. It, it makes you a better person. It opens your mind to new things that you didn't really think about in different perspectives. Um, and I would say that definitely translated in the Breakline community. So as I was transitioning to the tech world, what I appreciated was just all the collaboration with the different Breakline team members and staff, right? They have um, just a wide variety of experiences and the time that I had to get to meet with them, kind of powwow, get some pep talks and tips on interviews and presentations and things like that were, that's what gave me the confidence, knowing that I was a product of collaboration, right? It's not something that I did on my own. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say is a, a kind of an aspect of that transition that really resonates with me. Well, I love that metaphor too, because I think just as I'm looking in the, I know our listeners can't see this, but as I'm looking into your house, I see the piano and I see the stringed instruments. So to see the metaphor of coming together, um, you know, as a team to create a beautiful piece of, a beautiful work of art. I mean, I think that's, to see how that translate into the workspace. Um, I know that your team at Park Pocket RN is super blessed to have you as just like this leader and um, someone who's able to um, really just galvanize people around these goals. So I appreciate you sharing that and would love to hear any thoughts you have, Jason. Yeah, I, I would say like uh, Breakline was exactly what I needed as I was transitioning from the federal government into the tech space. And so, you know, one, one other thing I realized is like, you just don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. And Breakline had the resources, the folks that were willing to make that investment. And also for me to really take ownership of what that journey looked like for myself. And so, you know, ironically enough, uh, the Breakline cohort I was part of was the first one that went remote due to COVID. And, and so it was a very different experience, I think for everybody. And, you know, for me, it was just kind of the beginning of like how to operate in this new dynamic environment. And I essentially linked in everyone that was in the cohort, you know, tried to really go through it with different people so that like, I didn't feel alone. And um, also just really, uh, having an opportunity to work a lot with Caroline, a lot with Lauren to help craft my story and the rest of the Breakline team was incredibly helpful. And oftentimes it wasn't so much a technical thing or whatnot. It was more like, you know, just getting ideas, bouncing, bouncing them back and forth, kind of to Marie's point, as well as uh, just refining that story. And uh, yeah, and, you know, it fundamentally changed our lives. I think like, if you were, if we we're to rewind a year ago and to think back of where our lives were at and where we're at today, um, we definitely wouldn't be where we're at without Breakline. And I'm understanding more and more the power of network, the power of opportunity, and just the way that um, you know how to navigate your career in a different space requires just allyship and partnership 
I may have been able to bring value, but like without those partnerships and that network, it'd be really hard to just break in. And like being on the other side, working at Facebook, you realize just how many applicants, how many, you know, different interviews and things like that. And so uh, just very appreciative and thankful about just the vision Bethany has for Breakline, the people and the investments that they make in one another and just kind of the broader community that's growing um, that becomes like part of your own community and uh, just having others just wanting your success in a way that is so different than what I experienced at many times in my career, uh, especially as an Asian American growing, like kind of navigating in the federal government space. Um, it was refreshing to have that on my side as I was going through the process. So, A, this is just awesome to hear because I think as someone who's a member of this Breakline family and Breakline community, it is always great hearing from our alumni just the impact that the Breakline experience had on, on you individually, but also um, in the places and the spaces that you navigate now. Um, so we're tremendously grateful just for you all to continue paying forward and, and helping us build this community. And one last question that I wanted to just ask you all, um, I know it's been a, a tough, it's been a tough um, several months just across our country, across the globe, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, um, with some of the tensions in terms of race relations in this country. Um, what have some of the conversations been like in the Kim House, um, just in terms of the chaos and the turbulence that's been 2020 and 2021? Would love any insights that you all were able to share in terms of just kind of keeping your mental peace, your mental sanity, how you guys are able to navigate and bring your best version of yourselves into the world and into the workspace every day with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now? That's a big question, but a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving that for the end, dropping that at the end, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'll go first with that one. So, you know, something that Jason and I have in common is our faith. And I feel like, yeah, it's been a crazy year. It's like all the things that you could think that could go wrong or kind of come to the surface have. And so something that has really grounded us is just that that faith that we have. And so um, we've been really thankful to have like a great church community, even virtually, just to be able to support um, through all these decisions and transitions. So that was really great. And you know, I think we've had a lot of conversations as things come up on the news and we hear about all the different, you know, things that are happening. And I think something that we've really emphasized is just the power of relationships, right? Mm. So you hear a story, you know, you hear things that are happening and, you know, you, people have arguments about topics as a whole and it's easy to make very generalized statements or opinions about things. But what we've learned is just the power of of building those relationships. It's harder to have such a strong opinion about something um, when you don't account for like actually like real people, right? So something that we've discussed is just the power of getting to know people and hearing their stories. And I think that really opens up the lines of communication. It opens up um, your mind and just being able to know that like there are a lot of different perspectives and things and sometimes the answer just isn't a simple black and white um, but I think building those relationships with different people who come from different backgrounds who may not see things the same way that you do um, that's super powerful and I think that's kind of you know a step toward making progress and, and trying to navigate this really complicated time um, and so 
Yeah, I think that's a topic that's come up with us a lot is that just thinking about specific people um, and, and building those relationships is something that helps really keep you grounded. Mm. Yeah. You want to bring us on home, brother? Yeah, um, definitely a big question. And yeah, I think it's like to Marini's point, you know, when you put a face to like an issue and someone that you actually know that's personally affected, it really kind of it, it gets tough to like just make a generalized statement. And so, um, you know, just to Marini's point, like being able to see others and get to meet others of just diversity and just understanding their stories and hearing their perspective and being empathetic and uh, like, yeah, really not just putting yourself in their shoes, but being them in their shoes and understanding what that must feel like, what that must uh, just like, yeah, how, how all that is. And so uh, one of my close friends, we, you know, we talked right after uh, George Floyd and, you know, he's African-American and, you know, just, he just told me like he served in the army, served in the FBI, serves in the intelligence community. And it was just heartbreaking to hear that someone who should be based, you know, judged based on his character and just his commitment to this country and sacrifice, uh, just kind of the conversations he had to have with, have with his children about like what is going on in our country. And, you know, just hearing it from him made all the difference in the world of my heart just kind of reaching out and just feeling this compassion, this empathy, and just hearing that individual story about a brother that I really care about mm -hmm. and just how much of an impact that's making in his uh, family. And so I feel like a lot of times, whether it's on, you know, social media or, or like, you know, just political podcasts or whatnot, we cast these generalizations. But when you hear those stories from people you care about, it just is really tough to swallow. And it begins to help you see uh, just different perspectives and things aren't as easy as just a soundbite, but there's a lot of complexities, a lot of layers, and it takes time and takes investment to listen, to be an ally and to really care and to find how to care, not in the way that you think, but in a way that's really meaningful to the communities around you. And so like, you know, I think Marini and myself, our commitments not to just, you know, post something on social media, but like, how do we do this intentionally within the communities we're in within the relationships we have and the friendships and um how do we just care for our friends around us and like i think those micro instances become something bigger if we all make that investment we got to bust out these silos folks that's what i'm hearing as i'm listening to the to the kims drop their knowledge we got to bust out these silos and i think what's cool about what you both just shared is it sounds like in the moments that you were able to do that, in the moments that you're able to open and create that space, it's always been something that's been well received. And I think that is such an important reason for us to have these conversations, to share these stories, to celebrate each other's cultures. Because to your point, Jason, until, you, until we take the time to really put ourselves in someone else's shoes, it's so hard to empathize, it's so hard to really just take a step back um, and be there in a truly supportive way for each other. And I think that's one of the coolest things that I'm gonna take away from this conversation from you all. Do you mind if I ask y'all one last, this is a short question, this is a real quick one. Yeah, no worries. worries. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Um, ha have y'all got a chance to make it back to Korea um, since you guys, you know, any time recently? you have been there more recently than I have, right? Yeah, yeah, so I had never been to Korea 
in my life till, um, you know, I, I was deployed 2011, 2012 to the Middle East and came back and was deployment rich. So I told my parents, let's go. And like, <laughs> like we, we went and um, yeah, my parents hadn't been there in a while either. And so I think for all three of us, it was actually a big culture shock. Um, and so I think for me, it was, it was incredible to see where my parents grew up, uh, just to see where they were from and like how they grew up and just for them to share stories about their childhood, because oftentimes I just saw them as my parents, but not just, but now I got to see them as like human beings who were children and like saw this whole other aspect of who they are. And also a sense of like, this is where like I'm from originally and like being able to just put all of these pieces together, right? Like that's the story of who I am. And I thought that was really meaningful. And I think both of us have thought about like when the next opportunity is to go back. Um, we also love traveling. So, um, you know, it's trying to figure out along with many others of like, what are the next destinations? But uh, definitely thinking about going back. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been a true treat and a true pleasure. In, in the words of the homeland, come Sunday die to both of y'all, man. Like this has been fun. And I tell you what, it's it is a great, like I said, a great reminder of just the commonalities that we share in this human experience. Um, because as I listen to you all talk about your parents, as I listen to you talk about navigating the workspaces and building teams and like building these relationships you realize that our similarities far away our differences. And um, for that, I am truly thankful for you taking the time to share a little bit more about your, your upbringing and your culture. Uh, folks, if you enjoy what you heard today, you know you just got to do one of three things. You got to hit that like button, you got to hit that subscribe, and if you really enjoyed today's conversation, please rate and review this show uh, it helps us get the word out there. It helps us share these amazing stories from our Breakline community. Um, so on that note, we're going to sign out from the Breakline HQ. Jason, Marini, you came through, lit the place on fire. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, wishing you all the best as you guys uh, continue to navigate this journey called life. Thank you so much for having us. It was an honor. All right, folks, we'll see y'all again next Tuesday. Until next time, this is Kenny Vaughn signing out from the Breakline Arena.